I'm going to run through the proposal two uh, on the ballot in November, commonly referred to as Promote the Vote 2022. Um, as Eric presented the ballot language for proposal one, here's the ballot language that voters will see at the voting booth or if they're doing uh, absentee mail-in voting uh, when they get those ballots in the mail. Um, what I would note here, uh, the language of the proposal deals with um, Article 2 of the Constitution, two sections, Section 4 and Section 7. Section 4 uh, is the place, time, manner of elections. Section 7 has to do with uh, canvassing boards. Uh, just a little historical note here. Uh, before the 2018 Promote the Vote proposal, Section 4 consisted of one section, and that was it. Following the adoption in 2018 of the Promote the Vote um, uh, proposal, that grew to two sections with six separate subsections. Um, if this current proposal is adopted, uh, Section 4 will grow to three sections with 14 unique subsections. Similarly, we'll see a growth in Section 7 of uh, Article to dealing with canvassing boards uh, pre-2018 or, or really pre-promote the vote 2022, we had one section. Now we'll have one section with uh, seven subsections. So our constitution is definitely growing with these uh, voting right uh, proposals that people are being asked to vote on. So, so a little bit about the motivations. There's kind of two tranches of, of uh, groupings of, of motivations here. First, obviously, as I've alluded to, 2018 voters overwhelmingly adopted the voting rights uh, proposals in the 2018 uh, Promote the Vote. This had to do with uh, no reason absentee, straight ticket party voting, or straight party ticket voting, uh, automatic, automatic voter registration, requiring um, the Secretary of State uh, to to do audits of elections. The 2022 version can, can be seen as a follow-up uh, on, on this uh, earlier um, proposal in that it's, it's sketching out um, and broadening some of the, the rights having to do with the no reason absentee voting, um, including uh, providing uh, postage paid envelopes, which I'll get to for uh, applications, absentee voting, ballot applications and voting. Uh, with respect to the audit provisions, it clarifies language uh, dealing with the uh, election audit provisions that were adopted in 2018. So that's one area of motivation. Um, the second area has to do with our current political environment. Um, the Promote the Vote 2022 proposal can be understood as a reaction to recent voting and election-related reforms proposed by the current Republican-led legislature. In the fall of 21, the Republican majorities in both chambers of the uh, legislature passed several bills dealing with voting and election administration. Uh, the legislation included, among other things, provisions to tighten voter identification requirements, limit absentee ballot application mailings, and prohibit, uh, prohibit elections officials from accepting private funding uh, for elections. Uh, Governor Whit Whitmer, when presented with uh, several of these bills, vetoed them argued that the legislation would make voting more difficult, would disenfranchise, disenfranchise voters, uh, particularly voters in minority communities and senior citizens, and that the proposed reforms would not address claims of voter fraud that emanated from the 2020 uh, presidential election in Michigan and across the country. 
following the governor's veto of that legislation, uh, proponents uh, of the of the reform set out to collect the required number of petition signatures for a wide-ranging statutory initiative. Uh, that proposed statutory initiative uh, would amend the Michigan election law. It's it's uh, referred to as Secure My Vote, and it encompasses many of the same. Uh, uh, reforms contained in the legislation uh, vetoed by the governor in, in 2021. So the Secure Michigan Vote petitions are currently awaiting uh, canvas by the State Board of Canvassers to determine whether or not there's a requisite number of qualified signatures. Um, and if that uh, certification's received um, under our constitution, that proposal will first go to the legislature for consideration. They can adopt that um, in whole uh, if they don't, then it would go to the voters. So this political context is very important to understand as we look at what's in this proposal. Uh, here we have uh, the, uh, I've identified uh, the key provisions in the, in the proposal. Uh, additionally, I've noted where these, those provisions that would be new and those that currently exist within the elect, election law or have been uh, recognized by the Supreme Court um, uh, for example, the voter identification requirements included in Proposal 2 already exist under the election law, but the provisions related to early in-person voting would be brand new for Michigan. I want to note here that the voters uh, face an all-or-nothing proposition with this constitutional amendment. A yes vote would en enact all of these provisions. Also, it's worth noting that the proposed constitutional language represents a, a minimum or a floor and nothing would prevent the legislature from expanding voters' rights beyond what is included uh, in the proposal. So with respect to voter identification, Proposal 2 seeks to codify the current election law provisions regarding voter ID and, and placing those directly in the state constitution. Under current state law, uh, registered voters, that's those, those individuals who appear in the state's qualified voter file seeking to vote in person on election day or applying in person at their clerk's office for an absentee uh, ballot must show their photo identification to receive a ballot. Under the law, if they are unable to present an acceptable identification to an election official, then they can sign an affidavit verifying their ID and, and, and receive a ballot and, and vote that ballot. The proposed constitutional language also stipulates that a registered voter who executes an affidavit would be allowed to vote on a regular ballot. Uh, the language further provides that a registered voter who signs an affidavit would not be required to vote a provisional ballot. So the language is very clear that says in, in the Constitution saying that uh, the affidavit process will not put you in the queue for voting a provisional ballot. Uh, as a result, the voter would not have to subsequently verify their ID uh, proof of residence as is required with a provisional ballot. Uh, the voter ID requirements here stand in, in contrast to the provisions that are contained in the secure uh, MI vote petition. Under that proposed law, voters signing an affidavit would not receive a regular ballot, but instead a provisional ballot. And then after voting that provisional ballot, they'd have six days after the election to visit their clerk's office and present uh, acceptable ID. As many of you know, Michigan has experienced an explosion in no reason absentee voting since voters gained this right in 2018. Some 3.3 million, about 60% of ballots that were voted 
uh, were voted absentee in the 2020 presidential election. More recently, about 50% of the total votes cast at the August 2022 primary election, about 2.1 million, used the absentee voting option. Um, this compares to less than 25% of ballots cast via absentee at the November 2018 general election when voters had to select one of six reasons for voting that way. With expanded access to this method and more voters using it, some observers have challenged the security surrounding the absentee voting process and have recommended changes to it. For example, the secure my vote petition would require citizens to provide in addition to their signature, their driver's license number, state issued personal ID number, or last four digits of their social security number when they apply for an absentee ballot. Proposal two can clearly be seen as an attempt to head off such future legislative changes by codifying these uh, existing provisions, voter ID provisions in the state constitution. Proposal two affirms the current law that provides eligible voters with the right to be able to prove their identity by supplying a signature to the local election official when requesting an absentee ballot or when voting by absentee through the mail. Further, the proposal details the procedures that local officials must follow to verify signature supplied on an absentee ballot application or a returned completed ballot. In both cases, the constitutional language directs the election official to compare the signature provided by the voter to the voter's signature contained in the state's qualified voter file. The language further states that a, if an official is unable to match the signature provided or the voter fails to, to sign either the application or absent ba absentee ballot, so in other words, uh, they completed the, the ballot, sent it in, but forgot to sign it, the voter then has the right to be notified and afforded due process, including an equitable opportunity to correct the signature issue. So basically local clerks would be responsible for contacting uh, voters who submitted uh, unsigned uh, ballot applications or the ballots, and folks would have to go down to their uh, local clerk's office to, to provide that uh, signature. Also related to the absentee voting, Proposal 2 requires the state of Michigan to cover postage costs associated, associated with returning absentee ballot applications and ballots, uh, requires the state to operate a system to track absentee ballot applications and ballots. The system must provide citizens with the ability to do obtain their status of the submitted absentee application or ballot and it must provi provide voters with notification and instructions about deficiencies in their application. So here we would have the, uh, the signature, uh, a missing signature on a, a ballot, um, return ballot. Uh, the system would allow a voter to go in and see uh, that their ballot is, is uh, lacking that, and they would have to get into the clerk's office to take care of that. Further, it would supply the proposal would supply every municipality with a secure drop box to accept absentee applications and ballots. Local jurisdictions with uh, 15,000 or more registered voters would be provided multiple drop boxes at state expense with the requirements that the boxes are distributed equitably throughout the municipality. All drop boxes would have to be accessible 24 hours a day for 40 days prior to election day and up until 8 p.m. on election day. So this 40-day period matches the 40-day uh, window that we have for uh, voting absentee approved in 2018. 
Finally, Proposal 2 provides voters with the right to request an absentee ballot for all future elections by making a single signed application. The right to receive future absentee ballots could only be rescinded under four conditions, and those being if the voter requests to do so, if the voter is no longer qualified to vote, if the voter has moved, or if the voter fails to vote for six consecutive years. This provision, the uh, uh, kind of future uh, ballot uh, uh, provision, is really intended to require local quirks to maintain a permanent absentee voter list for their jurisdiction and require them to send absentee ballots for each uh, election. The postage costs for required mailings would be covered by the state of Michigan under this proposal. So early voting uh, is brand new, um, uh, at least in the uh, form that's being proposed in proposal two. We do have early voting in the form of the uh, no reason absentee voting. But what we're talking about here is a new in-person early voting option that would be available for all statewide and federal elections. Voters would not need an excuse or a reason to show up the, at a polling site uh, to do early voting. Uh, just as they're no longer required to provide a, a reason excuse to, to vote absentee. But unlike absentee voting, that largely occurs through mail-in ballots. Um, some people do absentee ballot uh, voting at, at their clerk's office when they get the ballot, but most send it in through the mail. Uh, In-person early voting would take place at designated voting sites. These sites would be required to operate the same way and be subject to the same requirements as uh, polling places open on election day. Similarly, voters at these sites would have the same rights and be subject to the same requirements, photo ID, for example, uh, for obtaining a ballot that govern in-person voting on election day. Under the proposal, all citizens would have access to early voting for at least nine consecutive days before election day. At a minimum, early voting sites would have to be open beginning on the second Saturday before election day and remain open through the Sunday before election day for at least each hours, at least eight hours each of these days. Local clerks could allow early voting sites in their jurisdictions to be open for additional days or hours, that's at their discretion. Importantly, the proposal prohibits state and local election officials from reporting any results from early voting until 8 p.m. on election day. This is the same time that in-person voting sites close. It should be noted that the state and local election officials currently are prohibited from reporting any preliminary results before 8 p.m. on election day. So there's no change here with reporting results. The type of in-person voting here um, that would be required under Proposal 2 is available in 34 states. A handful of states allow both in-person voting and um, no reason absentee voting. For example, Michigan's neighboring states uh, are, are mixed on this in terms of the voting options. Ohio allows both forms of uh, early voting, absentee and in-person. In uh, Indiana law only authorizes in-person absentee voting, and Illinois provides only in-person early voting, like what is being proposed for Michigan here. The details of how early voting works in each state vary considerably. For example, states set different lengths for their early voting periods with an average of about 23 days among the states that allow this. Similarly, there's variation across the states in terms of start end dates for the early voting periods, as well as 
um, making in-person polling sites open during the weekend. Proposal two, as I note, uh, sets a minimum of nine days for a minimum of eight hours of early voting, but it does provide local clerks the discretion to extend this voting period or expand the hours um, uh, that are available. And also clerks would be able to use early voting uh, for other elections uh, other than the ones that are required under the proposal. So in terms of uh, impacts here, uh, clearly the early voting uh, provisions will change how voting works in Michigan. Um, it's going to give voters another way uh, to, to vote. Um, that is going to be a change. Um, some are concerned about uh, expanding absentee voting and, and in 2018 and with the provisions here in 22 that it will result in more fraud, um, uh, voter fraud. But Looking at uh, uh, the research evidence, there's really no evidence to suggest that absentee voting is any more prone to uh, fraud than in-person voting. And it, it's important to note that Michigan has a number of safeguards already built into election law uh, as far as administration to protect the integrity and security of absentee voting. Uh, uh, so mail-in voting uh, is changing how voting occurs, but it does not materially impact um, voter fraud. And there's really no uh, evidence in the research literature that uh, absentee voting uh, expansion of it will uh, provide any uh, partisan advantage. For those who are concerned about uh, making uh, identification requirements more strict, um, the, the, uh, and, and it's clearly it's going to be more of an inconvenience when you make uh, uh, identification requirements uh, more difficult. Um, it has the uh, uh, potential to suppress uh, the vote in minority districts uh, where our minority communities where uh, people might not have uh, government issued IT uh, for various reasons. Um, so. What we see is, in the literature at least, is when identification requirements become more strict, uh, there's kind of a, a push-pull here. And um, when the pull is to really increase efforts to facilitate the, the voter turnout among those communities where the um, stricter vo voter ID requirements are, are most impactful. So really on net, there's, there's not much change. In terms of fiscal impacts, there are some involved with this proposal. Um, the new voting rights are gonna result in higher election administration costs. These costs, uh, while indeterminate, are likely to fall primarily on cities and townships as they're responsible for conducting all elections. For example, there'll be additional local costs associated with implementing the early voting provisions. Uh, this is primarily entailing staff for in-person uh, sites operated by clerks. The proposal allows jurisdictions to operate these sites either separately or in conjunction with neighboring municipalities or with their counties. So it's opportunities for some economies of scale here. If approved, proposal two would require state government to pick up the prepaid postage costs associated with returned absentee uh, voter applications and ballots for every jurisdiction in the state. 
These costs will vary from election to election based on the number of ballot applications returned for processing and the number of ballots returned for tabulation. Postage costs will also vary by district by jurisdiction jurisdiction based on the length of the ballot. Longer, heavier ballots are going to require more postage. Um, we just did a, a quick calculation for the August uh, 22 primary. About 1.3 million voters requested an absentee ballot, and roughly 85% of those voted absentee. Based on these figures, statewide absentee voting prepaid postage costs would total about 1.7 million. So the key takeaways with Proposal 2, um, very important issues raised by Proposal 2 and, and the specific policy positions contained are, are may very well be good, sound positions. Many Michiganders ex exercising their right to vote in the future might benefit from their adoption and inclusion in the, in the state constitution. Several of the provisions will make voting more accessible, convenient, while also protecting the integrity and security of the franchise. And clearly, many of the topics addressed via the proposal have been subject to public debate within the Michigan legislature. The key issue raised by the proposal deals less with these specific policies themselves than whether these policies should be enshrined within the state's constitution. Nothing would prevent the legislature under its current constitutional authority in section four of the uh, elections article from adopting any of the policies contained within proposal two. There's no, they don't need a constitutional amendment mandating them to do that. However, advocates for the amendment seek to bypass the legislative process to safeguard some new and many current voting and election processes from future legislative discussion and modification. But in doing so, these provisions can only be changed in the future through another statewide vote. One final note before I sign off and kick things back to our friends at Mears for some questions. As I've noted throughout my presentation, Proposal 2 contains language that conflicts with the language contained in the uh, Secure Michigan Vote petition. Uh, for example, the voter ID requirements. If both Proposal 2 is adopted and voters, uh, is adopted by voters and the Secure Michigan Vote petition becomes law, a relevant question uh, is, well, what, what language takes precedence? The answer, as it relates to specific provisions where there is a potential conflict, the language of the Michigan Constitution will always take precedent over statutory law, even uh, initiated laws like Secure My Vote. It must be noted, however, that the Secure My Vote petition includes a severability clause to clarify that if any provision is found to conflict with the Michigan Constitution, that it can be severed from the petition and all other provisions implemented. So only the conflicting provisions can be stripped from the Secure My Vote petition if voters adopt Proposal 2.